Hi everyone, welcome to the 11th episode of Tampa 2 Tuesdays, and our third episode from Quarantine. My name is Bilal Malik, and this is my co-host Trenton Cito. How are you, Trenton? I'm hanging in there. We had a NFL draft, and that makes me excited. How about you, Bilal? Yeah, I'm still stuck at home, and uh, it's all you can do right now. I mean, it's been, uh, it's been a while since we did a show, and a lot of different uh, news took place during that long long period of time yeah well we get to get into it now so first off our list is the sad passing of legendary head coach don shula at 90 years old this happened yesterday 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 yesterday. and uh, a lot of people would say I mean, he's right up there, but Coach Shula is one of the best coaches to ever coach in the history of the league. He's right up there with George House and and Vince Lombardi and Tom Landry and Bill Belichick. He's probably, if not one, he's in the top five coaches ever. And uh, he was a coach for 33 seasons. And out of those, he only had two losing seasons. 31 winning seasons. Can you imagine that? That is absolutely crazy. In uh, 1963, he ended up, he started as the head coach of the Baltimore, Baltimore Colts at age 33. And in the seven years as a Colts coach, he was the coach of the year three times and never had a losing season. That's really hard to do. <laughs> yeah, there are so many coaches these days that would could only imagine... And being his, being like that, he's and probably that, had more winning seasons than some franchises. Yeah. And in 1970, he moved to Miami and instantly had success. First year, playoffs. Second year, Super Bowl appearance. Third year, Super Bowl championship. Fourth year, Super Bowl championship. And he also had that that. Famous 1972 perfect 17-0 campaign with the Dolphins. The Patriots are the only team to uh, of the 2007 Patriots to ever come close to that. With uh, but they went 18 and one that year, losing the Super Bowl. Shula yeah. <laughs> was the winningest head coach in NFL history with 147 wins. 173 losses and six ties. And you have to remember, though, that in, from 1961 to 1997, the season only had 14 games. So now we're so accustomed to the 16-game season, which soon to be 17, starting next year. But for starting out his career, he only had 14 games seasons, and he still made it to number one on the list. Yeah. I mean, you know... He's he's got all that knowledge and experience from his thirty years, thirty three years of being a head coach. So I'm gonna wrap this up 
with just to mention that he appeared in the Super Bowl six times, winning those two that we mentioned earlier, and his teams won at least ten games twenty one times. He's he's gonna be remembered as one of the best, if not the best. Exactly. Only person who ever comes close, in my opinion, is going to be uh, Bill Belichick. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of comparison. And I think if Belichick continues to uh, do his success the way he's at, he could surpass Shula with the all-time yeah. wins. I'm excited to see what Belichick brings to the table without Tom Brady. But, uh, yeah, this shows that how... Coach Shula was able to have such tremendous success, and he will be missed uh, greatly by all of us in the NFL community. Um, next thing we want to discuss is actually pretty exciting news, is that the NFL schedule will be released this Thursday, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. We already knew what each team's opponents would be, past season but um now we get to figure out the actual schedule order yeah it's going to be an interesting interesting season to see how uh everything plays out if it's all going to go according to schedule or not i mean right now it's too far in advance to even figure out what the situation with the coronavirus is going to be coming to september so i i'm fine with the league just putting out the schedule as if everything is going to be operating as normal. If things need to change, then we'll change them when it comes time. Um, Since we already know the opponents for every team, we're also able to determine the strength schedule, which can, it can play a, a pretty big impact on a team, even though the results from last year aren't always going to translate over to this year. Um, the team with the easiest strength of schedule is the Indianapolis Colts. And the team with the high, hardest strength of schedule is the Atlanta Falcons. Our team, the Bears, are tied in third place with strength of schedule. So, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I, I feel bad for Atlanta. They've had a few rough seasons now, and this, this might be another rough season for them. Uh, I like, I like where the Bears are at, of course, hometown team, big fan, but it's going to be interesting. I think for the Colts, especially since they have Phillip Rivers now as their quarterback. What type of schedule do you like the most? Do you want to get your division done early? Do you want, more home games towards the end of the season? Do you want more home games in the beginning of the season? What Personally, what is, as a fan, what do you want to see out of the schedule? Because it, it really these matchups come um, are really important to see where they line up because there could be a lot of teams in the playoff hunt towards the end of the season and just to see what type of teams you have to go through at that time to get to the playoffs would be interesting. Um, I like a schedule where we can win. <laughs> uh, but I, to take it more seriously, I, man, that's that's a real tough question. 
I think looking back at how the Bears have started, especially last season with the first game against the Packers in which Trubisky just couldn't complete any passes. Nothing was happening. Yeah, we should have won that game. (laughs) But I don't know. I I feel like if we have Trubisky at the helm, he's going to need a few games early on to sort of hit his groove. Easy wins. Yeah, easy wins in the beginning, and then later in the season, then they can start pulling out miracles and stuff. But yeah, what about you? So I don't know. I like um, I like a lot of home. I like my home games to be more towards the end of the year. I want to get more home games towards the end because, like, it's Chicago and it's gonna be winter and it's gonna be cold and it's like just to have that home field advantage during that time. And especially if we are in a position where we could put ourselves in t- for a playoff hunt, I'd like to be at home. I'd like to get most of the... Uh, well, we based off of the previous years, we know we're going to have a divisional game in Week 17. We've almost always had that for the past few years. That'll be there. But I think a nice mix of... Uh, the, I want the away divisional games in the beginning and the home divisional games towards the end. And hopefully a bye week sometime in week six or seven. Not too early, but also really not too late. Something right in the middle of the season. Because it gives you time to rest without overloading on one side of the scale or the other. Um, so, and hopefully we get a few primetime games i don't know how many we'll be getting this year <laughs> but uh hopefully i'll put their home primetime games too like i want 20 i want a 2018 repeat where we got where we got flexed into a bunch of primetime games we got flexed into i think at least two or three primetime games and that thanksgiving game won't hurt either now i'm being picky but it's like i think Thanksgiving <laughs> game won't hurt either I mean, we usually play. Yeah, we usually play a Thanksgiving game. It's that classic. Uh, against the Lions. Yeah. Or we could play on the Sunday on the on the night game. Thanksgiving night True. against someone. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just. I mean, we can't judge this off the strength of schedule and everything. We can't judge it off of last year because, um, everyone's different and things are going to be uh, much. Um, Different than, yeah, I just said that, much different than last year, but uh, it's nice to way to occupy our time right now. Yeah, just as much information as possible. Um, yeah, and uh, moving on now. Now, because of the coronavirus, this isn't much of a surprise, but the league has canceled all international games for this upcoming season. We were supposed to have four games in London and one in Mexico City. I mean, it's unfortunate for people outside of the country, especially those in London who wanted to go watch the games. But And was it last year or the year before where there was a game in Mexico City, but they had to cancel it because the field conditions were bad? I believe it was two years ago. I... I'm not sure. It, it might be two years two, but still, like, the league is trying to re- uh, broaden their reach 
with the with the sport and these international games have been a lot of help with them but with the situation the world is in i don't i didn't see any way that we could continue at least for this year to play internationally yeah and i think it makes sense like skipping it one year i don't think it's going to be too big of a deal and the thing was with the jaguars though they were going to be the first team to play um two international games in a row like back to back and their fans were not having any of that no but i mean they, they now they'll be happy but like just in general that'll have to be pushed on to another year and it's all about growing the sport as a worldwide thing like how basketball is or how baseball is people want to get um the there is a following it's just that we have to expand upon what we have started right yeah so i don't know not not too big of a surprise like you said just rolling with the punches right now yep um so this is an interesting one um so marshawn lynch came back at the end of last season i believe it was for what one game uh one or two i don't recall did they make the playoffs Seahawks? Uh, yeah, Seahawks were in yeah, the playoffs. So there must, there was at least two games. So he's actually in talks right now to potentially come back for another year, full year this time. His agent's in talks with Seahawks. So he's basically just waiting out. He said, whatever happens will happen. So would you like to see Marshawn Lynch come back in beast mode for a full uh... year this time? <laughs> when I... When I saw him come back last year, I wasn't really impressed. Um, I forgot how many yards per carry he averaged. I thought it was like two or something. Um, he was also there for one for only twelve games. He rushed for twelve times for thirty-four yards. Yeah, so I I don't know. I like what he means to the organization, right? The fans love him. The media, it. Eh, Kind of love him. <laughs> he like doesn't love the media for sure. Like yeah. His personality. He's just so relaxed and he doesn't care. And we like that. It's just who he's always been. Mm-hmm. I remember in the Super Bowl, he's like, I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> so, if, from he can, a... if he can produce, I'd like him back. If he, he doesn't, doesn't, let him enjoy retirement. Yeah. I personally, I think he should stay retired. I don't know how much he has left to offer to the game, like Frank Gore or Adrian Peterson. Yeah, I mean, you got to think, though, the guy was probably, he was obviously in shape, but he wasn't in football shape when he Mm -hmm. came back. So now he has a whole year to prep. Could you back to that? But I get what you're saying. Like, if he... If he can't perform, then he knows that he he's smart enough. He mm-hmm. he knows what's right for him. Um. So this is an interesting thing about uh, the new Buccaneers quarterback, Tom Brady. Would you like to uh, explain to us what Mr. Brady's been up to recently? Mr. Brady's been a naughty boy. <laughs> He's uh he's not had a fun time. He got kicked out of a 
a public park because uh, he was trying to practice there, I think. And then yep. a, a park official said, yeah, you, you can't really do that. But um, we got to give some context here. This took place back, um, what was this, about a couple of weeks ago, back on around April 26th-ish. Tampa's now opening up their parks and beaches, so Brady can go back to the park now. Yeah, good for him. He can go and practice, throw throw some balls to <laughs> different people off the street, whoever he can find. And he'd have a line ready. He should just get a line on the on the outside and just have people run routes and just start launching. People would line up in a heartbeat if they found out he was doing that. Would you be one of those lining up in a heartbeat? Catch a ball from Tom Brady in a park? Yeah. <laughs> I would. If I could catch it. I don't know if I would be able to. We could see if uh, Trubisky or Foles are going to do that. <laughs> I doubt like, it. Pick a park, Millennium Park or something. Yeah. Before uh, what has to be after Lori Lightfoot allows us to go out. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, uh, Lori Lightfoot will be the, the NFL's premier safety. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's done a good job telling people to stay home. People, for the most part, have listened and mm-hmm. made an impact. Yeah. All right. So what do you do if you walk into the wrong person's house? Has somebody done this? Have you done this? No, but uh, Tom <laughs> Brady has. Tom Brady. He uh, he went to visit the home of his new offensive coordinator. Or so he and thought. He... <laughs> so he thought, yeah. Um, he accidentally walked into the next door neighbor's house and, uh, yeah, that went about as well as you think it went. (laughs) Now, my only concern with this is why was this neighbor's door open or unlocked and Tom Brady just strolls right in? (laughs) And apparently he walked, he was able to get out before the neighbor could like really say anything or... (laughs) Even get a picture by the time he realized that he was already walking into the right house. But yeah, I mean, why would you leave your door unlocked? Is my question. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, oh, maybe I'm he... finding something here. Um, it says he left his front door unlocked because he's selling his home and he had multiple people over to see the property, but he wasn't expecting somebody else. And so in comes Tom Brady carrying duffel bags. And he drops him on the floor, and he says, how's it going, man? But don't... Okay, if you're selling your home, don't you usually have like a lock where the realtor can come and then unlock it with a code? You just don't leave your door open. <laughs> but in this case, he had Tom Brady walk through his door. <laughs> oh, that must have been crazy. Only but... could happen in Florida. <laughs> yeah, well... At least, at least the good thing is Tom Brady got out of that situation unharmed, and he wasn't like yeah. tackled to the ground by some dad. True, true. Here and some really uplifting is that uh, the commissioner Roger Goodell has given up his salary for the year. Now, 
we had a thing here though that he he makes about thirty to forty million dollars a year, so he is not in any bad position. There are countless others who are in a much worse position than him, but it's also nice to see that he is able to just take this gesture, if you will, and um, he. He's voluntarily doing it. Like, it's just something you don't, especially people who have a lot of money. I mean, they are those who do love to donate and do good things, but people don't usually just, no matter how much you make, they don't, they usually don't just forego their yearly salary. So, yeah, like there were, there were other people like at the manager level or executive vice presidents, and they had pay cuts from pay like cut. five to 15%, but. Goodell was like, nope, I'm not going to take any of it. And he left it for yeah. some of the other employees so they could keep their jobs or avoid pay cuts. So that's definitely a nice gesture by him. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a, hopefully other people who are, who are in a position of power and can't afford it take some sort of similar gesture. I'm not saying that you got to give up your salary or anything or you have to do something nice for someone else especially in the time everyone's living in you need as much support and kindness in the world yeah now speaking of kindness and support yeah (laughs) the uh 49ers gave a lot of kindness and support to a undrafted free agent quarterback that you can tell us about yeah so um Brock Rudder is the newest quarterback addition to the quarterback room in the 49ers. And he just got a signing bonus of a pretty nice amount, actually. I mean, not by regular standards of football, but still, as an undrafted free rookie, you get a signing bonus of $279. <laughs> and this is because... The Niners had a budget for undrafted free agents, how much they were going to spend on them, and there was a surplus of $279 left. So Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch decided to give it to Brock Rutter. And actually, Brock quarterbacked my high school's football team. Ooh. (laughs) I believe... I believe I got there the year he left or something like that. So I never actually got to sound play. But he also um, quarterbacked a local college here, North Central College in, Aper- in Naperville. And he was the Division Three's best overall player. So he led them to a championship. And so, I mean, it's going to be nice to see a local kid having a chance at the pros. Now, will he stay there? I don't know. I don't know how good he is or if he will be able to compete for a backup position with them. But it, it'll it be a nice, uh, nice thing to see, especially during the preseason. Yeah, for sure. I mean, with the 49ers, wasn't it one, two years ago that they had uh, the rookie quarterback Nick Mullins go in against the Oakland Raiders? Yeah. And the Raiders made him look like Joe Montana. <laughs> So Raiders at the time made everyone look like. <laughs> it's true. 
<laughs> well, you know, it's like you never know what people come out with, and uh, the potential of anyone is uh, no one's seen them play yet, at least on the professional level. So we'll see what comes of it. Yeah, who knows? He could be the nice next Tony skill. Romo. Exactly, Romo came out with and Romo was Romo was also undrafted, and he played college in Illinois. So, just saying. the connections. <laughs> Different schools, though. But yeah. Um. All right, let's transition to some off-season moves. The biggest move that was made. The shock, the most shocking move. With the biggest guy in the league. <laughs> Rob Gronkowski. Rob Gronkowski's back. The Patriots traded him to the Tampa Bay Bucks for a seventh-round pick. And a fourth-round pick. Yeah, the Patriots got the fourth-round pick in return. Um, and this is this is wild, because Rob Gronkowski was retired, basically retired. He's got a, a wrestling career ahead of him, and... The Patriots make this move and they trade a guy who was never going to play for him in the first place, and they get a fourth round pick out of it, and that just blows my mind. <laughs> it's Bill Belichick working his magic. Gronk, <laughs> yeah, Gronk, Gronk only wanted to play for Brady. I'm mean, there was mm-hmm. a situation. He was telling a story. Well, he was he was also an analyst on Fox this past season, so he was telling the story. I'm. There was a deal between the Lions and the Patriots to trade Gronk over to Detroit. And Gronk got out of that deal by basically claiming, oh, I'm, you can't trade me, I'm retired. <laughs> he, then the deal fell through and he stayed with the Patriots and he continued to still play for the Patriots. So like he got what he wanted. He, he wanted to go play with Brady. He had a year left, $10 million. And they traded him over to Tampa. It's gonna be a yeah. good, gonna be a good duo. The duo's back. I mean, Tom Brady already has so many weapons right now with you know Mike Evans, uh, O.J. Howard, and all the other wide receivers. But now First that he has one. Gronkowski too, it's it's crazy. Yeah. Just need to get Julian Edelman. You get the you now you get the Patriots down in Florida, man. <laughs> I feel bad for him. He's like stuck. He just left. Yeah, Edelman's stuck. He's stuck with uh, Jared Stidham or Brian Hoyer or whoever the Patriots get to to start for them. Yeah. And speaking of the Patriots. Yeah, they got a new wide receiver now that Tom Brady's gone. They got Marquise Lee from the Jaguars. He was released from the Jaguars. It was a pretty surprising move. Uh, nobody has any idea why the Jaguars did it. Marquise Lee, um, I remember him. He had a, a real nice punt return for a touchdown. He's always been that speed burner, fast, very fast, elusive. So I think definitely for the Patriots, which have which has always been more of like a, a possession catching sort of wide receiver room when Tom Brady was there. So now that they have a burner, I think it's definitely good for their offense. Yeah, speed is really important at the wide receiver position, especially if you want to um, make big plays happen really fast. You just got to throw to someone who has that speed. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the... We're, we're in some, like, connection here. We're going from Patriots. <laughs> we're going from Bucks to Patriots 
technically to Bucks in a way. Kind of Bucks, yeah, close enough. Uh, the guy who Tom Brady replaces, Jameis Winston, just signed a deal with the Saints for a year, $1.1 million, with an additional $3.4 million in incentives. But at the same time, Taysom Hill signed a two-year, $21 million extension. Which is crazy in my mind that Jameis Winston would take such a massive pay cut when he is the number one overall pick from what 2015 yeah but he did not play like it (laughs) no he was he had great yardage great touchdowns but horrible with his career in tampa started with a pick six and ended with a pick six no one (laughs) who bookends their career with one team with a pick six on both ends i mean he was not good Right, and when you say that, it suddenly makes this this move make more sense. It was because... his only choice. He was never yeah. going to be a starter anywhere, at least this year. So it now, was his only reasonable choice. He gets to learn behind Drew Brees. Drew Brees, yep. A, a, basically a lock for the Hall of Fame, which, yeah. is, which is great for Winston because he, he gets to pick his brain. Um, and it's great for Taysom Hill because... You know, Winston gets to deal. Taysom Hill only had a a one-year deal left as a a restricted free agent. And then all of a sudden, he gets this two-year extension. He's making far more than Jameis Winston is. So their future is set, basically. And um, at the same time, he gets to learn from Sean Payton, Mm -hmm. who is one of the best coaches to ever play. I mean, every coach. So, I mean, it's a good year. A lot of people are comparing it to what Teddy Bridgewater did. Spend mm-hmm. spend a year, spend two years behind Drew Brees, learn it. And then when your time comes, take advantage of it. And hopefully Jameis can fix himself. If, if he can't be fixed after this situation, then I think he's done. You think so? But mm-hmm. we'll give him a chance. I mean, he's getting it. Everyone, everyone deserves a second chance. And now he's out to prove himself. Yeah, who knows where it'll go. We do know where Andy Dalton is gone. The Bengals released him. Uh, Andy Dalton requested, actually, for them to release him. Well, I think he... What I read is that he wished it happened sooner. Because they all knew they were all going to go with Joe Burrow and the number one pick. So it's like, why keep me around? Yeah, it was... It was you're very weird. My, you're wasting my time because no one can. Because um, unless they try to trade him, they couldn't get anyone to take him. It was it was a real waste of his time on the Bengals part, just because he had to sit around and wait and all these decent spots where he could have been a starter were being all taken up. Yeah, and I don't think there was any way that. Even if they wanted to trade him or try to trade him, I don't think Andy Dalton was going to get really any any good incentives anywhere for the Bengals to trade him. Cause, All right, no, we'll, yeah, sorry, you go and I'll bring this in. Yeah, because the Bengals had the number one overall pick. Everybody pretty much knew they were going to take Joe Burrow. Like, that was a lock. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you know, they have no leverage to use to get rid of Andy Dalton. <laughs> 
Yeah, so now that he goes to Dallas, does this cause any pressure on a Prescott? Because Prescott still hasn't signed his franchise tag, and he's still negotiating a long-term deal. Do you think that if there's a legit chance Dalton could take over for Prescott at some point? I feel like there is. I feel like there is, because it seems like Cowboys fans were upset that the Cowboys would spend the money to pick up Andy Dalton instead of spending that same money to extend Dak Prescott. So it feels like the Cowboys are just looking around for other options. Yeah, Dak's also asking for a lot of money. So it's like, it's it's a negotiation situation. It's it's really at a standstill right now. Right. I mean, they have Ezekiel Elliott. They've already paid him a ton of money, but it's like, you know, does your offense run mostly on Zeke or does it run mostly on Prescott? And I feel like Prescott's performance isn't the kind of quarterback play that you'll be like, man, this guy is an elite, elite talent. At least uh, for the Cowboys, they know that if Prescott, for some reason, gets hurt or isn't there or whatever the case may be, they do have a capable backup in Andy Dalton. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last bit of uh, offseason moves so far that we want to touch on is that Frank Gore is signing a one-year deal with the Jets as of today. Frank Gore is back. (laughs) Nine days away from his 37th birthday. Now that is just crazy. I mean, for Frank Gore to to continue to play. Yeah. He's been around 16 years. He last year played with the Bills. Then I believe the team before that was the Colts. Uh, yeah, the Colts. Um, I I really like Frank Gore, not just as a player but also as a as a personality, mm-hmm. because back when he was with the Bills and they had Devin Singletary. Uh, the rookie behind him, you know, Frank Orr was always looking out for him. Uh, he was always giving him advice. When the Bills played, I believe it was the Redskins when Adrian Peterson was there, and Frank Gore went and grabbed Peterson's attention so that he would talk to Singletary. I mean, that was, like, such such a cool moment. He's a class act. He's a really good person and a really good player. He's also... Only 1,380 yards away from second place on the all-time rushing list, which he may or may not get. I don't know, because now he'll be in New York. Le'Veon Bell is going to be the main guy, so Gore is going to be obviously number two. So it depends on how he's not going to get over 1,380 yards this season, probably. But uh, if he sticks around for maybe one or two more, he might be able to. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, um, but I don't know. Age, age comes quickly, as Peyton Manning knows. Oh yeah. All right. So the biggest event that we had recently was the first ever NFL virtual draft. 
and it went a lot better than anyone could have expected or even hoped for. Yeah, uh, leading up to the draft, people were definitely worried about hackers getting into it or you know different technical difficulties. There was a lot of uh, people scared when they had the first like test run of it on the Monday before the draft, mm-hmm. and things didn't really go quite as planned. But yeah, they all the, the IT experts and everybody involved in behind the scenes, they really stepped up their game, and this was a, a great event. One thing I really liked was the charitable aspect of the draft this year. A lot of there was a lot of focus on charity because again, the whole world is going through this crisis with the coronavirus. The league put together a draftathon, which was uh, on YouTube all three days. Each day had a different had different sets of guests up to come by. So it was hosted by Rich Eisen of the NFL Network, and these. At least, in my opinion, day one was really good. They had guests such as Tom Brady, Kevin Hart, Deion Sanders, DJ Khaled, Michael Strahan, Russell Wilson. People, like, that's just a small sample size of... It took place over... Each day was about five hours long, so they took place over a really long time. Just... The discussions between those people, they were simply just having casual conversations. And you were just a witness to that. And they were telling jokes and making fun of each other. If you haven't seen it, you got to go watch it. But it is, it was amazing. Yeah. And I think it just reminds everybody of how important human connection is in yeah. times like this. Mm-hmm. And the great thing is that they ra- they ended up raising over six million, close to seven million dollars during this whole draftathon. So three days worth of time, raised a lot of money for a lot of good causes. Yeah, that's definitely a, a great aspect of it. All right, one thing I really enjoyed about this at-home draft was to see the cameras set up in everyone's homes. And there were some really nice setups. <laughs> and it was just fun to see the cameras cut to them. Do you have a, do you have a favorite setup? Uh, honestly, I'm going to go kind of low tech here and say Bill Belichick's draft room, which was basically his, his living room. <laughs> yeah, like, it even though, like his, yeah, it looks like his dining yeah. room table and just a three laptop set up with him sitting there and his dog did you see that where his dog was sitting in the chair when the they announced <laughs> and they cut to him yeah oh that was that was honestly like wow amazing because the most lavish yeah, yeah. <laughs> bill belichick is is known as that guy who doesn't talk much about his personal life doesn't talk much about his team doesn't talk much about anything and there he is just you know he's he's chilling in his sweats he's got his dog on the chair he feeds the dog a snack that was just such an amuse a, a beautiful image to see all right but his home is also on nantucket which is pretty expensive <laughs> so he's uh yeah so 
did you have a, a favorite? Yeah, my favorite, uh, just in general, watching it would have been Cliff Kingsbury. He set up his, like, those glass windows in the backyard, the, the yard out there. And just, it looks really, and they got the mountains in the background. But also, um, Matt Nagy's was nice. Mm-hmm. Matt Nagy, he's got all his play call sheets play up call on the walls. From 2018. Hopefully he uh, uses those again this year. Because <laughs> those plays were fun. Like, we had fun. I didn't see any trick plays last year compared to the year before. We had so many trick plays and a lot of fun. Hopefully he dusts off some of those play sheets from the wallpaper. Yeah, which is weird because, like, in the preseason of this past season when we got Cordero Patterson and there's all that news from Nagy, like, oh, yeah, we've got all these plays set up for him. You know, we're going to do some real fun stuff with him. And then throughout the season, all we see is, oh, Cordero Patterson's in the backfield again. It's going to be a run. And what do you know? It's a run. Like, I mean, it also depends on the situation of the game and the time. Things just really didn't work out for trick plays all the time. Yeah. But hopefully we get back to it. Did you see Jerry Jones? Jerry Jones was sitting <laughs> on his $250 million yacht. Yeah, it was it was fun to see him. Way just... to socially distance. <laughs> it was fun to see him just be, like, excited about things. Mm-hmm. Like, when they, when they drafted CeeDee Lamb, he just looked so, so happy with himself. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get into that later on when we discuss the some of the big draft selections. Roger Goodell had a nice setup. The commish, I was really, I liked that a lot. And if you saw him progress throughout the three nights, <laughs> three days of the draft, starts off with a suit and and standing up, then he progresses to a sweater, then he progresses to just like sitting on his sitting. favorite chair. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, he he just looked. Exhausted. The I mean, poor guy just you, exhausted. What else do you do though? You're in your basement, you're announcing picks. He's usually done by like the second round on an old yeah. draft. He's just handed all these cards and okay, say this say this name, say that name. But it was uh, it was nice though. Um they had the fans in the background on those mm-hmm. screens. And there were videos of of Cadell like Virtually giving draft picks a hug, like how he always does on stage. So, I mean, he kept himself entertained, and uh, I right next to him, he was enjoying those. But if you, do you ever uh, think you want to go down and meet him in his fan cave? Is this an option? I mean. If you're willing to bid on it, yeah, because oh. <laughs> through the NFL auction, there is a option to watch a Monday night football game with the commissioner in his fan cave and get two tickets to any regular season game. Now, just guess how much the bid is, the current bid at this moment. There's still five days in about one and a half hours left for this auction to end. Hmm. I'm going to say somewhere around 100000 
Well, Trenton, if you were able to just spend $200,000, $200,000 in 300, I can't talk, $250,000 is what you get to bid. That's the current bid to spend time with the commissioner in his basement. That seems like and the and offer and need all the M and M's and need all the M and M's you could have if he has any left. That is, it's either uh, do you buy a house or do you go to the or do you uh, or do you spend a night with the commissioner? That's in the uh, basement watching I, them on night football. I think that's an offer that I can refuse. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe when you become the commissioner. All right. Um, now, now that the NFL draft is finished up, we look towards the future, and you have some thoughts. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed the virtual draft. It was good. It provided a level of our um, intimacy with the with the picks. We got to see inside their homes, get their genuine reactions. Nothing was staged, in my opinion. We got to see the coaches, general managers, commissioner, all from their homes doing their work. It was a good distraction for the world to get some sort of normalcy. The draft stayed on time, and it was a pretty much of a success. Blake, do you think when we go back to Cleveland, and Vegas the year after, since it was supposed to be in Vegas this year, they gave it to 2022. Do you think it'll be easier or harder to transition back to the old way? Honestly, I feel like when it goes back to Cleveland, there's gonna be there's gonna be a, a push to have it more like it was this year, um, because we got to see all the families together, right? We got to see the general managers and the coaches just hanging with their families, chilling with their kids. And, you know, it's it's a long process, this, this draft and this whole scouting deal. So for them to be able to spend so much time with their kids because of this pandemic, I feel like they're definitely going to miss it if they, uh, if they go strictly back to the original format of the draft. Yeah, it's going to be a change for sure. And they might, like you said, they're going to have to probably incorporate some part of what they did this year to next year's. Hopefully we aren't forced into this situation again next year. But it worked. So let's just take what worked from here and try to incorporate it into the original format. And um, we had... At least in the first round of the draft, we had a lot of big name players go, mm-hmm. and let's just cover a few of them while we have yeah. time. Um, as basically anybody knows and expected, to the surprise of absolutely nobody in the NFL, Joe Burrow went number one to the Cincinnati Bengals, and uh, yeah, I, I don't Which think also it was... means he went to the worst team. <laughs> went. Went to the worst team, for sure. Um, although they did do a little bit of 
digging in this draft to to grab him some weapons and later picks and later rounds. So I I think it's a good start for him. I I don't know how well he'll transition to NFL life. Uh, some people have said he was the most NFL ready quarterback in this draft. So you know hope hope for the best. And uh, as Peyton Manning said, he wouldn't mind if Joe Burrow breaks his rookie interception record. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and Manning was also first overall, so he uh, he would know about that. Yeah, big shoes to fill. Uh, at number two, we have Chase Young, the player who is considered a generational edge talent to the Washington Redskins, who are, of course, having their new head coach in Ron Rivera. And something interesting I thought about this is that Ron Rivera brought in Jack Del Rio as his defensive coordinator. And Jack Del Rio... In the early 2000s, Jack Del Rio was brought in as the defensive coordinator for the Panthers. And the Panthers brought in Julius Peppers, edge rusher, with the number two overall pick. When Jack Del Rio went to the Broncos to be defensive coordinator in 2011-2012, the Broncos picked Von Miller, edge rusher, number two overall. So now Jack Del Rio finds himself with a new team. And for the third time in his coaching career, his team has picked a generational edge-rushing talent at number two overall, and that just blows my mind. He's a very lucky coach. <laughs> He's a very lucky coach. And I might I want to add that with the Panthers and the Broncos, his team defense was like in the top ten or the top five of the league. So something to look out for with the Redskins now with Chase Young. Um, at number five, yep, Dolphins took Tua Tagovailoa, uh, for the past, like, week of leading up to the draft, the Dolphins were throwing up all kinds of smoke screens about who they wanted to take or, you know, if they wanted to trade up or trade down, but in the end, we all know who they wanted to take Tua, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then you have to get right where they wanted him, didn't have to move him. Or down or anything, but mm-hmm. and that was uh, it's good for Tua, I think. Um, the Dolphins still have Ryan Fitzpatrick. Hopefully, they have Fitzpatrick starting, and Tua gets to hang back and maybe give his hip a little longer to heal after that still horrible got injury. Still got Josh Rosen there too. Yeah, they have Josh Rosen. I don't know what's gonna happen to. Him, the poor guy's had his replacement drafted and basically every team he's been with so far. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen to him. Um, If we go to the Chargers at number six right afterwards, Justin Herbert. I see a lot of Trubisky and Justin Herbert. I don't really. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? It's a, it's a bad thing. Justin Herbert through I think the most screen passes out of any quarterback in college football this past season and it was like 20 23 or 25% of his passes were just screen passes and dump offs <laughs> so the only person who was sort of like him in the NFL was Kyler Murray and I think he threw like 17 or 19% screen passes on his dropbacks so I don't know 
I don't know how Herbert's going to do. Uh, I think the Chargers are better with Tyrod Taylor starting this year. Uh, if we move to number eight with the Arizona Cardinals, we have Isaiah Simmons, linebacker, kind of a safety hybrid. Um, man, it's it's hard to compare him to anybody. He's like that. Why do you call him a safety hybrid? How is a how does that work as a linebacker? He's, he's like that Swiss Army knife on the defense. You know how Christian McCaffrey is kind of like the do everything on offense. That's kind of what Isaiah Simmons is on defense. I'm trying to think of a good comparison for him. Maybe like a Derwin James kind of guy with the Chargers, hmm. um, where he can cover and he can play in the box. So I'm excited to see him play because the Cardinals are in a pretty tough division <laughs> with um, a lot of offensive talent. Uh, moving on, Henry Ruggs at number 12 to the Raiders wide receiver. Ruggs is a burner type. Nobody really expected him to be the first wide receiver. Didn't he have the highest 40 time of the combine? Yeah, I believe so. He, yeah. uh, Gruden's got going to be guy. interesting. Yeah. And they talked a lot about how that is a pick that was made to combat the Chiefs because the Chiefs have Tyree Kill, they have McCall Ardman. The Chiefs have all these these speedy weapons that really stretch defenses. So that AFC West is really trying to collect all these weapons to try and keep up with the Chiefs. And that's also what we saw at number 15 with Jerry Judy, wide receiver, going to the Denver Broncos. Um, I thought Judy was going to be the first wide receiver taken off the board, honestly. But the, the Raiders beat the Broncos to the punch. Now... C.D. Lamb, wide receiver, Cowboys. That's a shocker, honestly. Yeah. Even the Cowboys, that he was down there <laughs> that far. Yeah. Jerry, and Jerry jumped it right there. He said, he's there. I'm taking him. Yeah, and he had a, a, a bright smile on his face. And people were worried. I would too if sitting draft. $250 million yacht. <laughs> Were were you more happy? Would you be more happy with the yacht than if you were got to pick Ceedee Lamb at seventeen? I would be, I would be happy about that as well. <laughs> I mean, people were worried about um, Jerry Jones having control over the draft because he basically told his staff, like, "Yeah, I'm gonna handle this. I'm gonna get like." whoever I want, I'm going to make pretty much my own decisions. And people are like, Oh my God. I mean, you probably listened to Mike McCarthy though. him. He hired the guy. So yeah. So it didn't turn out too badly. Um, now speaking of news that directly affects us at number Twix, number 26 overall green Bay Packers trade up with the Miami dolphins and they pick Jordan love quarterback. So, see, I had actually stepped away at this moment for a little bit, and then I came back to the TV, and then I found out that and I was going through Twitter, and I found out what the Packers picked a quarterback. Then you find out the Packers straight up to get a quarterback. <laughs> and yeah. when it comes to this, it's just exactly what happened with, not exactly, but similar to what happened with Brad Favre and Aaron Rodgers back in 2005. 
Right. I mean, Brett Favre was still in his prime, and they go and take the person who's supposed to be his replacement. And uh, we all know how that ended up with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. But they're fine now, but back then they were not. They were not, no. Um, so I think I mean, it's not Aaron's job that are train this guy. Mm-hmm. He's still trying to win. Right. I feel kind of scared now, though, that Aaron Rodgers is going to come back even um, more like motivated. Yeah, he's going to be looking to prove himself, and the beers are right in the line of fire. <laughs> well, we got a Mac, so I'm, I'm fine with that. This is true. Um, so Jordan Love, maybe a bit of a developmental pick for the Packers, but still pretty shocking since Aaron Rodgers is still in his prime and they decided to take Jordan Love instead of grabbing uh, another offensive weapon. And Did they last... not draft any skill position players the entire draft to help Rodgers out? I'm not sure. Something about that I heard. Like, okay, if they're going to take Jordan Love... No, I'm sorry. If they wanted to take a quarterback and if they took him in the fourth or fifth or sixth round, that's fine. But like, it means that Rodgers' time is coming to an end. Right. Um, and it, it's, it sort of feels like how how the Patriots for so long have been drafting Tom Brady's future successor, except they started way too early, and they keep having to get rid of all of them. Well, they were able to shop them off and get like good money off of it. It's more like they train them and they send it's more like a, I don't know if you want to call it like a training academy for quarterbacks. Just train the quarterback and ship them off. Get the new one, train them, ship them off. Because they never knew, they knew none of them were going to ever replace Brady because he was never going to retire. <laughs> yeah. Um, and now Jared Stem gets to be the lucky guy to possibly replace Brady. So good, good for him. I'm looking here, and in the second round, the Packers drafted a running back. In the third round, they drafted a tight end. So okay, but it's not no, really that much of no help. wide receivers. Yeah, it's the wide receivers that was really the issue with the Packers, and they didn't really touch on that at all. So. Kind of weird, but I don't know. We'll see how they figure it out. At number 32, final pick in the first round, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, running back to the Chiefs. I I don't like this pick at all because it means the rest of the NFL is, is completely wiped off the map. <laughs> um, Edwards-Alaire was with LSU and... Joe Burrow and his his vision and his lateral agility is just like off the charts. He's a Le'Veon Bell kind of runner. He runs routes. He's basically like Alvin Kamara and Evan and Ingram at the same time, Mark Ingram. Oh man. I don't like I don't like this. But I am excited to see him play yeah, as a result. I was going to say, you don't like it for the rest of the league, but you do like it for the Chiefs. Yes, I I love it for the Chiefs. Um, 
because they've they have Mahomes, they have this great passing attack. They had Damian Williams for their running attack. He was kind of on and off at times. He did better down the stretch of the season, but now that they have a new running back to fit into the system, man, that's going to be crazy. Yeah, this uh, so draft was for surprises than in. And uh, we still have a lot more surprises to go through the rest of the offseason. Still underway. Um, so now we've reached that part of the show where we transition and discuss our hometown team, the Bears. So let's uh, transition into the segment that we've been calling Bears News. So the first biggest news coming out of Chicago is, I don't know how much of a surprise this actually is to people, but the Bears ended up declining Trubisky's 50-year option. So with people who aren't exactly familiar with what this means, first-round picks usually have a four-year contract with an additional optional fifth-round, 50-year that gets added on should the team select it. Since Trubisky was picked in 2017, he's he's now in the fourth year of his contract, which means the Bears have the option to add on another fifth year. And this, this year in the contract is usually only guaranteed if the player was to become injured. And since he's in a quarterback battle now with Nick Foles it seemed like the logical move not to pick it up honestly I mean nothing against him it's just that if for some reason he's not the quarterback then you don't want to pay him on you don't want to have to pay him if he was to get hurt for some reason definitely um I mean he he hasn't really shown what they wanted him what they wanted him to be right. They drafted him number two overall. They traded up for him, and Ryan Pace gave up a ton of the Bears' future in order to select Trubisky. So his first and, year wasn't his first year. I'm not going to make excuses, even though if it makes come across, I don't want to. But his first year was with John Fox, and that didn't turn mm-hmm. out well. And then the second year, it was pretty good. Playoffs. He did well in that playoff game, too. Definitely. Second year. Second year. This is even before his injury, though. His last, last year. A second year in a 30. 
missed a lot of open players. He didn't read the defenses properly. We should have we lost some games that we should have won. And then in addition to that, he did get hurt. So this is this is literally a prove it situation now that you have a Super Bowl MVP right behind you. And um to make it or break it here. Yeah, and I don't really mind it too much for Trubisky because didn't we also give Kyle Fuller a a make it or break it kind of thing? And he made it. Yeah, he made it. So, you know, if Trubisky succeeds, then more power to him. All right. And yep. Nagy has added a speedy receiver. We finally Ted, have one. Ted Ginn Jr. Um, he's he's older now, for sure. But do you think he's still a, a dangerous weapon? I do. He, I mean, he's had a lot of production still over the past few years with the Saints. Mm-hmm. So, and... Let's let's look up his uh, stat line. Thirty receptions, four hundred and twenty-one yards, two touchdowns. Not too bad. Last, last seems... year, 2018, 17 receptions, two hundred and nine yards, two touchdowns. Longest passes. Both years were about forty-five yards and forty-two yards. So I mean, he could stretch the field if we get it to him, and I think we'll be able to use him in a decent um, capacity. Does he feel like the the Ryan Pace answer to letting go of Taylor Gabriel? Yeah. And Ryan Pace was down... No. Was he with him? When he was... Oh, when he was with... Ah, uh, that's a, that's a good question. He, oh, no, I think he was with the Panthers at that time. Okay. No, 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 yeah. Yeah, he wasn't, yeah, he was with the, he was with the, he was with another team during Ryan Pace's um, tenure with the Saints, but still, like, he has the speed he can provide, and he... Hopefully, make an impact. Yeah, at least I I still hope he has the speed. The last I heard of him was him telling everybody that he was confident he was still the fastest man in the NFL, and then they organized a race, and he never showed up for it. So I don't think they would have made the decision unless they were confident enough in his ability. True. True. Um, speaking of not confident in ability, the Bears released tight end Trey Burton two years into his four-year deal, uh, 200 or no, 22 million guaranteed. So the Bears freed up 6.8 million in cap space, but they still have to pay him another four million. I mean, I get we still have to pay him the money, but. The tight end position for the team just never worked out last mm-hmm. year at all, no matter who we had back there. That's all you see us going and picking up a, a proven tight end like a Jimmy Graham, who is um, 
that's who it was. Sorry, I was getting confused. Ryan Pace was with <laughs> Jimmy Graham when Jimmy Graham was in New Orleans. So, um, sorry, back to the... So you pick up a proven tight end like a Jimmy Graham, and once that happens, you knew that Trey Burton would be out. Mm-hmm. And the Bears have definitely spent this offseason prioritizing the tight end position. Um, they picked up Demetrius Harris from the Browns earlier. Like you said, they picked up Jimmy Graham after that. Uh, at some point in this offseason, they ended up with 10-plus 10 10. tight ends on their roster. <laughs> I think I think maybe three or four will end up making the prop, the, the roster mm-hmm. in the end. A lot of these will obviously be cut to cut it down to the proper amount. Yeah. Uh, another signing that the Bears had was defensive tackle John Jen- Jenkins. He got a one-year deal. He was with the team in 2017. And then he went to the Giants, and then he bounced to the Dolphins, and now he's back. So I, I faintly remember his name. I think he was a more rotational rusher before. I think he'll be a rotational rusher now. Mm-hmm. especially after the whole deal with Akeem Hicks getting injured and then the entire front seven kind of swirling in the drain for a while. Yeah, when Hicks went down that whole situation, I mean, Matt can't do everything on his own. so. Mm-hmm. And of course, now that uh, the Bears picked up Robert Quinn, another edge rusher, to fit on the it'll other provide, side. It'll provide some balance. Yeah, hopefully. We hope. Um, another little signing is wide receiver slash kickoff returner Trevor Davis. He was signed to a one-year deal. Trevor Davis spent time with the Dolphins and also the Packers and also the Raiders. Um, I think last season Davis was pretty decent. I remember a few highlights of him. He did pretty well as both a receiver and a returner. So, you know, just another weapon for Matt Nagy to work with. Maybe mix him up into some trick plays, some wide receiver reverses. Who knows? Anything can bring a spark to this offense. Yeah. Um, And hopefully we have a spark from more than a few draft picks here. In... We got the hometown kid, Cole Komet. Yep, Cole Komet. Tight end. Another tight end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but in this situation, it's a little different. He's, a lot of people were saying, why would you draft, why would you pay Jimmy Graham and then you're going to draft this guy? They're not the same type of tight ends. Ryan Pace right. basically describes him as a, as a Y tight end, and Jimmy Graham is, the, is like a U tight end, which basically means that he's more um, going to have his hand in the ground type of blocking tight end. And Jimmy Graham is the more your traditional pass catching tight end. So you need both of those in any successful um, offense. Yeah, and honestly, the more weapons that Mitchell Trubisky or Ryan, or not Brian Pace, um, Nick Foles has to throw to, the the better it's going to end up. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like I like the pick of Kolkomet, considered the top tight end in the class. Also in the second round, the Bears picked up a new quarterback, cornerback, excuse me, uh, Jalen Johnson. 
He's a, he was considered a first-round talent, but he slid to the second round because he's had multiple, multiple soldier, shoulder surgeries, which is a little alarming. I mean, in three years, though, at Utah, he did have seven interceptions and 21 pass breakups. So mm-hmm. I think he's he'll be fine. Yeah, and they like him because he's a physical corner. He's got the man coverage. He's got the the press coverage. So I feel like he's a replacement now for Prince of Mukamara, who bears let go in the off season. So I don't I don't mind it. And you get him at a cheaper price. Right, much cheaper price too. Um, some other people, Travis Gibson, edge rusher, picked him in the fifth round. They traded up for him. He's considered to be pretty raw, uh, but they think he has a good ceiling. Um, nowadays, when I see that an edge rusher is pretty raw, my mind immediately goes to Leonard Floyd, and I don't know if that's a good thing. Uh, not really. <laughs> not unless really. You're playing, unless you're playing the Packers. <laughs> Leonard Floyd, who is... a uh, a, a sort of average player unless he's facing the Packers. Um, Which is not a bad thing when you're playing true. the Bears. But... Yeah, when you're the when you're on the Bears, you play him twice a year. So I don't know how he's going to do on the Rams now. <laughs> we'll see. Um, Bears picked up another cornerback in the fifth round. Kindle, Kindle Vildor, a uh, small school prospect. Again, just filling the cornerback room with more deft talent maybe a special teamer maybe a future starter who knows um also in the fifth round bears picked up darnell mooney wide receiver it's kind of small school player but considered to be a tyreek hill kind of playmaker maybe he'll do great maybe he won't do great who knows hopefully he's on the great side though yeah, him. We don't uh, want our draft picks to. Uh, <laughs> we we don't want our draft picks. Yeah. Um, two more in the seventh round. Both of them offensive linemen. Not really anything too noteworthy. They're going to be in the depth chart. Maybe backup offensive linemen. Maybe special teamers. We'll see. I mean, but, uh, as the expanded rosters, it doesn't mm-hmm. hurt to have more. Depth. Right. More protection for those quarterbacks and really we only had one super notable draft signing and it's honestly in my opinion it's only because of his brother mm-hmm. yeah. yes the darius mac edge rusher um people say now we have two mac brothers double mac attack um but from what I've understood is that the skill level between the brothers is much. There's a huge gap. Yeah. And there's a reason one was drafted so high and the other is an undrafted free agent. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how it's gonna go. Um, I'm sure Khalil Mack would love his brother to remain on the roster, but I don't know. It's probably gonna be a competition for him. Yeah, so, wow, this was a long show. Um, we covered a lot of ground, actually, over because we've been gone for so long. 
Um, all right then. So I think that does it for this whole this third quarantined episode of Tampa Two Tuesdays. Um, thank you for listening, and please don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Bill Malik fifteen and Trent underscore Cino. We will be back whenever we have a next show. Whenever, whenever. <laughs> Whenever the football news strikes us. Exactly. <laughs>